Good morning. All right, yeah. Well, uh, it's good to be with you again this morning. Uh, excited to get into God's Word again. Um, yeah, just uh, excited for what God's been doing and what He's going to continue to do. Thank you to the worship team, felt ministered this morning and all through the retreat, so thank you. Yeah, good to them and been leading us well uh, into God's presence through, through worship. And so um, let me kind of show us kind of the flow again. So, you know, yesterday was kind of this uh, more uh, high-level message that joy is, is essential to Christian living. And so the relationship between God's glory and, and our joy. And then today we're going to talk about Jesus in the storm, this idea of hidden love, that joy is deepened in trials. And so to kind of connect yesterday, actually to, to all of today in some sense, you could say this, that yesterday was kind of a high-level kind of more theology proper, maybe you could say. But, you know, in the midst of doing theology, we have to also make theology practical. You could say kind of today and even tonight is going to be like an applied theology, a practical theology. Uh, you were, we're kind of living in the pinnacle of the mountain yesterday in some ways. And I think we do need to recognize the the, the ultimate ends of, of truth and, and who God is and how that affects us. But then I don't know if you faced this yesterday that you might have walked with some questions, you know, like, you're talking about joy, having joy, but what about the suffering in my life? Talking about joy, but uh, that it's a gift of God, but what about my agency? Am I, am I responsible for anything? Where, where does that come into place? Or what about dryness? You know, what if I feel dry spiritually? Like, I, you know, how does that all fit together? And so hopefully you'll see today, this morning, even tonight, uh, the connections of those things and hopefully taking last night and also making it an applied theology. So hopefully that makes sense. That's kind of where we're headed. So uh, why don't I read the passage for us? Uh, it's from Mark chapter chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. I'll read it and I'll pray for us. We'll get started. It says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across the other side. They took him with them uh, in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling but he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. They woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Amen. Let's pray and let's, uh, let's depend on the Lord this morning. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to worship, this opportunity to be here as the church gathered and to come before you in your word. Uh, Lord, would you, by your spirit, break open your word to us this morning? Uh, would you speak to us through, through this passage and help us to see, uh, even though sometimes it seems that you're hidden, uh, reveal clearly uh, that you're with us, that you love us, even through the trials of life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, so this morning I want to speak to the issue of trials and storms of life that we have. And you know, I've gotten to know some of you here and there a little bit, but I don't know, obviously, all of you very well. Uh, but I'd imagine that here in this room, especially after a year like last year, like Pastor Susang had referred to, that you know we, we come here with burdens and trials and struggles uh, maybe it's issues in our family life, conflicts, maybe in marriage or with, with children, children to parents. Uh, maybe it's illnesses, ailments, maybe it's financial struggles, maybe it's 
things related to our work or school or uh, whatever it is, you know, fill in the blank. They're, they're trials that we often can come with. And so where is God? That's the main question. Where is God in the midst of our trials? What is God doing in the midst of our struggles? You know, I think a normal tendency that, that we can often have is that we, we interpret uh, our issues like this. We, we can interpret God, is that picture up there? We can interpret God through the lens of our problems, right? So if, if the top picture is a lens, we have our problems in the le- and, and our problems is a lens through which we see everything else and we interpret God. And therefore, as we have our problems, we interpret them that God must not love us. Right? And that's, that's, a, that's a common way that we view the world. But the Bible tells us that we view the world and our problems through the lens of God and His Word. And when we, when we view life through the lens of God and His Word, we see that God actually does love us. We realize how much He really loves us. And I think that's what we'll see in this passage in Jesus calming the storm, is how much God loves us in the storms of life, how much God loves us in the silences of life though it often is hidden and it's hard to see. So we're going to hopefully see that in this passage. So here's three things that we'll see. We'll see God's hidden love in the storm, and then we'll see God's hidden love in the silence. And then last, we'll see God's revealed love in Jesus. All right, so the first thing, we'll see God's hidden love in the storm. First thing, we'll, we'll make some observations about this storm. First, first observation, see that Jesus actually led them into the storm. See that in verse 35, that day evening came, he said to his disciples, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. First observation is that it was Jesus' idea uh, to get on the boat and get on the water. And, you know, it'd be foolish for us to not recognize that Jesus and his deity uh, did not know that there would be a storm on the sea. Uh, And so Jesus knew that he was leading them into this storm. And so I think it is right for us to recognize that though God is not the author of any evil in our lives or in the world, that He is actually in control uh, and sovereign over all of our trials and struggles and storms. So Jesus is the one that led them into the storm. Second thing that we should observe is that the storm was overwhelming. Mark describes the storm like this, verse 37, and a great windstorm arose. Okay, the word windstorm is a common word for, for storm. Uh, it's actually used for the word hurricane in other places in the Bible. So it's basically this, there was no normal, this was no normal storm. It was overwhelming, like a hurricane, like nothing they had ever seen. Remember, these are, many of these are experienced fishermen that have been in the Sea of Galilee. And yet this was like nothing they had ever seen before. They were scared literally to death. And so, so, so we, these are the observations then of the storm. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is the, what is the purpose of Jesus sending this overwhelming storm? And sending the disciples into it. What is the purpose of the storm? And I believe that we see the purpose in what Jesus said by his words to the disciples after he calmed the storm. We see some of the purpose here. In verse 40, he, he says this, this statement to them. He says, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Uh, it seems almost radical. It seems kind of unfair uh, to expect fearlessness in this kind of crazy storm, right? I think there is a, a normal kind of non-sinful fear that we have because we're weak. You know, we're human, right? We're, and there's nothing wrong or sinful about being human. We're, we're frail, right? There, there's, there's a nonsense here, but Jesus is pointing to something deeper, I think. And when he says, why are you so afraid? I think that Jesus is pointing out for the disciples and even for us that, that storms have a way of bringing out fears 
that, that, that and those fears reveal deeper sins that are often in our hearts. And you might ask, what is a connection of fear and sin? You know, think about what, what is fear? If we were to break down what fear is, fear is that there's something uh, that, 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 that I want that, that I don't want taken away. I fear it being taken away, right? Or, or fear is that I, there's something that, that I don't want to, that's going to come to me, right? And that's kind of the idea of what fear is. And what, what, it, what it is is that fear is protecting something, a deeper desire. That's what we fear, and as we connected even to yesterday's message, our deepest desires for God is to be for God. And often storms are, are in our lives to reveal that there is something that you want more than God. And, and often that, that God is showing that through storms. So let me show actually a, a real quick video clip. If you guys know Seinfeld, there's a, a clip of George Costanza, which hopefully can help us see what fears, fear does to us. And so here, watch this clip real quick. If it's working, hopefully it's working. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, I love that clip. Um, you know, there, there's a normal reaction in a fire, right, to, to, to desire safety, right? That's, there, that's the human element maybe of that. But there, there's something deeper that's revealed in George Costanza, right? His deep-seated selfishness was revealed through that fire. I think there's a principle in that how God uses storms in our life is that, you know, extreme circumstances have a, have a way of revealing what are the deepest things that are often hidden in our hearts, uh, that we, we may or may not realize we're there. Uh, one way to think about it is, you know, imagine you're a waiter in a restaurant. If we could uh, think of a picture here. Imagine you're a waiter in a restaurant. You're, you're serving a soup, right? You're serving a soup, and, uh, and you're, you're about to serve it to your customer. And as you're about to serve it, you get knocked by someone, and not, someone knocks you, and the soup kind of spills out. And you're angry that this person knocked you, but as you, you, re- you look and you realize that there was this poison that was in the soup, that you were about to serve to somebody else, right? And so you look at that circumstance, you look at that situation. It's not right that that person knocked you over. But at the same time, it's kind of good that it happened because you realize that you were serving this poison. Again, in the same way, until we are shaken by storms, we don't find out what's really inside of us. And yet what God is lovingly revealing to us through the storms and trials of life are these often poisonous, selfish, sinful desires that reside deep within and so here's a question for us as an application is, you know, how many of us, when we go through trials, do we just complain about the circumstance? Why am I in this fire? Why am I in this storm? Why did that hurt me? And obviously we can bring those things to God. I say that, you know, there, there is a part where we bring our trials and struggles, our sufferings to God. There's nothing unspiritual about that by any means. So please don't hear me saying that. We do bring our struggles and our trials to God, but, but, but I think almost like a level one, and how many of us go to the, that deeper level, that level two, so to speak, we ask ourselves, but why am I so afraid? You know, what, what, what is it that you're teaching me or doing deeper in my heart through this trial? And oftentimes we, we only stay at that first level with God and we don't go to that deeper level and ask God, what, what is the poison that you're, you're trying to remove from my heart through this? All right, so, so we see that, that, that God is doing something through the storm, but he's also doing something through what we can call a silence. Um, yeah, so, so some observations of the silence. Let's look at verse 38 here. So God's hidden love in the silence. It says in verse 38, but he was, a, he was in the stern asleep on a cushion. Okay, so think about we're in the midst of like a hurricane, 
And what is Jesus doing? Right? Where, where's, where's he at? Is he helping? Is he comforting? Is he strengthening? He's sleeping. Like, what kind of Jesus is this? Right? So, so how do we understand his silence in the midst of this storm? I think we have to recognize in Jesus that, you know, he's, he's one person, two natures, that, that he's, he's both man and he's divine. And so let's understand it through, through his two, the lens of his two natures. And as a man, he's asleep, right? You know, Jesus is, is 100% man. He gets tired. He gets hungry. He has the same limitations physically that we all have. And so after an exhausting day of ministry, he's just dead tired. And he's, he's just falling. He's just fell asleep, right? I get kind of encouraged by that. That's one area of Christ-likeness that I can, I am good at. Love to sleep. Amen. There we go. So be encouraged by that, okay? Uh, but also, in his divine nature, he's God, and so he's fully awake. Right? Jesus fully, fully man, fully God. It would be an oversight for us to only view Jesus sleeping in the boat in the lens of his human nature and not to see that, that while he was asleep in his human nature, in his divine nature, he is simultaneously present and absolutely in control. And so Psalm 121, verse, verse 3 to 4, is, is helpful in that regard. It is a description of what is happening in His divine nature. It says that He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, He who watches over you will neither slumber nor sleep. Jesus, in the midst of this storm, yes, He was sleeping in His human nature, but in His divine nature, He's wide awake, absolutely knowing what's going on. So we have to ask ourselves then, what is the purpose of Jesus then in his silence in this overwhelming storm? So the purpose of the silence then, uh, the purpose of the silence, similar to the storm, that Jesus is helping them again to see what was inside of them. Right? Uh, look at, look, and I think we, we see that, you know, the verse 38, the disciples said this to him. They said, disciples woke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You know, don't we often do that, right, in the storms or the silences of life that we, we assume, right, that we, we interpret God through the lens of what we're going through. And, you know, God, you must not care for us. You must not love me. You know, what Jesus wanted to see was that, you know, while, while the storm and the silence was going on, that, that, that he wanted to, to reveal to them that you must really not know who I really am. Because then he says in verse 40, he says, have you still no faith? Have you still no faith? Basically, you know, saying, is that who you really believe I am? You, re you really think I don't love you? You really think that I don't care for you? You know, where's your faith? Who do you think that I am? You know, one way to illustrate this is, is, is the example, uh, this illustration of the tree. And um, if you're aware of this, but, you know, when trees, for trees to grow... Uh, you know, they receive it through the roots, right? Through the roots, they, they receive water and nutrients for them to grow and to be strong. But here's a question is, when do the trees actually grow strongest? It's actually during the dry season. Because the, the, the roots of the tree must dig deeper to find water. And it actually makes it stronger. In the same way, spiritually speaking, there's an analogy there that, that when God seems silent, it's not that he's removed his presence, but he's calling us to relate to him to, with, with, with a deeper heart of faith. He's saying that, that, that I'm not removing my presence, but I'm asking your one foot, uh, one foot faith to go 10 feet deep. The roots of your faith are only one foot deep. And if I, if I, if I were to stay in that place with you, you would remain shallow and weak and immature as a Christian. 
And so, so I'm, 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 dropping, I'm dropping the level down because I want you to go 10 feet deep with me. And so, and so his silence is, is not the lack of his love, but it's the presence of his love for us. You know, some of us, again, are going through times maybe now or in our Christian life where it feels like God is silent. What are we, what are we supposed to do practically? What are we supposed to do? Consider this, this illustration here. Imagine uh, three people on a wall. Uh, we have the first person is truth, uh, faith, and then faith, and then feelings and circumstances. Truth, this guy just walks forward. He doesn't look backward. He just keeps walking straight no matter what. The job of faith is to look at truth and to follow the truth. Uh, but the problem is that faith is often looking back for feelings and, and circumstances to follow the cord. And yet as, as faith kind of looks, looks backwards, it kind of falls off the wall, it takes its eyes off of truth. Uh, and yet the, 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 the job of faith is to look forward at the truth and just keep its eyes on truth, even if feelings, circumstances seem to lag behind. And so in a, in a drought, in a silence in your life, God wants us to, to grow in faith. And we keep walking, following the truth in obedience, waiting for God to break the silence as we wait. You know, this relates even to what I shared yesterday. You know, I said that joy is a gift, right? Maybe that's one of the questions that lingered. It's like, joy is a gift of God by his grace that he gives. Yeah, here's, here's a paradox is that Joy is something we fight for, even when it's not present. And again, that seems to be a contradiction, but it's just a paradox. Right? Is that the joy is a gift of God's grace. He gives it by his spirit. You can't right? Think about it. You can't command yourself to be joyful. Right? It's just it's a, it's a spontaneous work of the spirit. And yet at the same time, joy is something that we are called to fight for. And that is one of the paradoxes of Christian living. And I think that's what God's doing in the silence. And it's not because he doesn't want us to experience joy, but it's because he wants to experience a deeper joy than what we know now. And so sometimes the only way he does that is through, through silences, by the seeming removal of his presence, so that we would know him deeper. Okay, so again, we see that God's silence is not his hatred, but it's his deep love for us. It's how we can know him deeper. And so we've considered God's hidden love for us in the storm, in the silence. Let's consider now, Ending his, his clearly revealed love for us. In two ways, we'll see the end of the storm and the silence temporally, and then we'll see it eternally. Temporally, let's look at how Jesus ends the storm and the silence in this passage. 38, 39, again, it says, Jesus was in the storm, sleeping in the cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And then in verse 39, it says that he got up. Right, Jesus breaks his silence he gets up from their sleep at, at the request. And then he's, and it says that he rebuked the wind and the waves. He said, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. So not only did he break the silence, but he, broke, he stilled the storm with the word of his mouth. In the same way that we can pray, just like the disciples, you could say they're praying in the boat to Jesus. Help us. Wake up. We need help. And Jesus hears. And Jesus is completely capable to do everything they ask. And he does. He breaks the silence. He stills the storm. And for us in our lives, whatever trials we're in in our life, if we've come here with a storm, if we've come here with a silence, we can and we ought to pray here at this retreat and say, God, help me. God, deliver me from my storm. Deliver me 
from this silence and Jesus is able to break through. Amen? Amen? He can heal any disease. He can heal any family problem. He can fix any financial obstacle that we're in. He can open any door. He can break any silence. God is able to work on our behalf and he loves to do it. If we would just ask. He loves to do it. And Jesus is able to answer. And so I pray that many of us would pray prayers. And that God, we would see the delivering hand of God, even in miraculous ways here with us. And so, so we see the end of the storm and the silence temporally, but there, there's a deeper meaning even still, is that there's the end of the storm and the silence eternally. And I think we only see that more clearly, most clearly in the cross of Christ. Because on the cross, we see Jesus say this in Mark 15, 34, as we, get, as we fast forward to the end of the book, Mark 15, 34, it says, In the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, so where, where do we see the storm and the silence? Truly, we see, it, we see it on the cross. Because Jesus, unlike us, he received the storm of God's wrath. He truly received a storm that was never taken away, but was poured out fully upon him. And Jesus uh, you know, you know, received truly the silence of God. You know, throughout the gospel, he's referred to God as Father. But here is the one time that he cannot go- call God as Father. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you removed your presence from me? It's because Jesus was bearing our sins. He bore the wrath of God in the storm. He bore the silence of God for our sins. And so when we look at the cross and we see this, the storm and the silence was given to Jesus, what Romans 8 tells us then is it tells us a transformed perspective of how to view our trials and the silences. Romans 8, 31 to 32 says, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What the the cross enables us to see is that the storm and the silence is actually God's goodness to us. Because all the wrath of God, all the silence and separation has been done to Christ completely and fully. And so God is always and forever, every moment of our life until eternity, He is always for us. And always giving to us. And never, ever, ever against us because of the cross, because of what Calvary has accomplished. So whenever you are in a storm, whenever you are in a silence, you look at the cross and you reinterpret your storm, you reinterpret your silence and say, this is merely his hidden love for me. I can't see it. I can't understand it fully. But somehow the cross reminds me that God is for me. That if he did not spare his own son, how will he not also with him graciously give me all things, even if it comes in the form of a storm, even if it comes in the form of a silence. Amen. Amen. I want to close with a, a, a final video. It's about three minutes. It's, it's actually in Thai, so you got to read the subtitles, but uh, uh, I think it kind of is a picture of what we see even in this passage and this, 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 these truths. So if we could play that. All right. Uh, I want to show that video. I think the reason that video is powerful 
It's because, uh, you know, it seems that sometimes our Heavenly Father is silent, just like this earthly father was silent, unable to speak. But what we saw as we walked through the course of that video is that though this earthly father could not speak, he loved his daughter with all of his heart. And sometimes she just, she just couldn't see it. You know, a million, a million, million times more does our Father in heaven love us. Sometimes it seems that we can't hear it, can't see it. But as we look through the lens of his word, as we look at the cross, we are assured that he loves us with an infinite love. The storm may not be done. The silence may remain. But by faith, we look at the cross and we remember, yes, my father, he loves us. He truly does. Let's pray.